Good morning, friends. This is Joel Martin with you for the Everlasting Word. I'm so glad you're able to join me on this Tuesday morning, taking time out of your schedule to listen to God's Word. And today we're going to pick up, pick back up in the book of James and in chapter 3. And the title of today's lesson will be The Unruly Tongue. Now, James starts out in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. So apparently, among these Jewish believers that James is writing to, there is a, um, I guess, I guess if you would say a hierarchy problem. There was too many people possibly trying to be the boss, maybe creating some confusion. And he's trying to address that uh, problem saying, be not many masters, knowing that the masters are going to receive the greater condemnation or the more strict judgment. And he goes on in verse two and he says, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Now, we know there's only one person to ever walk this earth that was perfect. And that was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He had no sin nature. He came, he, 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 he came, he said, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. In other words, to do for you and I what we could not do ourselves. We could not satisfy God's law. Jesus came in the person of sinful man, in the likeness of sinful man, but he was God in the flesh. He fulfilled the law. He satisfied God's law, and that's how he could go to the cross of Calvary and be the perfect, unblemished Lamb of God to die for my sin and for your sin. But other than that, there has been no other perfect person in this world. Yes, there's been good people live on this earth to, to walk and talk on this earth. There's been very powerful people to, to walk and talk on this earth. But other than the Lord Jesus Christ, there has been no perfect person. And, and, and James points out, he said, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Now, I know I look back in my life, I've offended plenty of people in word or with my tongue. And it says in verse three, he says, behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. And he gives another example in verse four with a ship. He says, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, or the rudder, whithersoever the governor listeth. So James gives two examples of two very powerful things, one being a horse and the other one being a ship. You know, and, and, and the thing is, the you put a bit in a horse's mouth and you pull on that bit, that horse is going to be directed in the way that the rider wants that horse to go, and the horse is going to obey. And you think about a ship. You, you think about a ship with, and, and I love like World War II documentaries, and you, th you look at those big aircraft carriers and those destroyers and all that, but what's directing the direction that these ships go is that they'll, they'll turn the steering wheel and that rudder 
in the bottom of the ship at the end of it, it will turn and it will direct that ship in the direction that it needs to go. Is it, even though they're very, very large things, Lord, you know, a horse is very large, very powerful. A ship is very large and very par powerful. It is directed by a very small thing. However, <clears throat> it says in verse five, it says, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. So <clears throat> the tongue amongst us is a very small member of our, of our, of our body. It's a very small <clears throat> member of our body. But that very small member of our body can cause a great, great problem. It can destroy people's lives. It can cause confusion. It can cause disruption among people. It can cause hatred. It can cause it, it can cause anything that's not good. But on the flip side, if the tongue is used in the proper way, it can edify people. It can draw people together. It can cause people to love one another. But yet the way James is addressing this is the destruction that the tongue can cause. And he says in verse six, and he says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. So James has some very strong language <clears throat> about the capability of the tongue, the negative capability of the tongue. And it's something that every one of us needs to heed, and it's something that every one of us needs to pay attention to, because we're all capable of this, if you will, this verbal destruction that, that's within our bodies. And if we don't watch it, Satan will use us and it will cause destruction amongst our families, amongst our churches, amongst our co-workers, amongst every, everybody that we have acquaintances with. And it can be a very dangerous thing for in, in Matthew, um, in Matthew 12, 36, Yes, Matthew twelve thirty six. the Bible reads that we will all, that every idle word that a man speaks, that we will all give an account for it. And if that really doesn't get us to, to just shake in our, 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 knee, our knees knock, there's something wrong. Because every idle word, and that's something that you and I, especially me, that we forget about. We, we don't think about that, that every idle word that we have spoken throughout our life, we're going to stand in judgment for it, and we're going to give an account for it. I don't know about you, but the rest of creation, you know, I'm going to be taking up a lot of time at judgment because I've spoken a lot of idle words, and that's something that we really need to stop and heed and think about what we say because we're going to be held accountable for it and we're going to be held in judgment for it. For in Matthew 15, 18, the word reads, it says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. So every word that we have spoken, every negative word, every destructive word, and things like that, those come, the root of those words are from our heart. And what comes out of our mouth 
defiles our whole body. It defiles us, and, and it shows our sinful nature. It shows the wickedness of our heart. And Jesus said those things that go in the mouth of a man, that's not what defiles a man, but those things that come out of the mouth of a man, that's what defiles him. But see, we need to understand that the tongue is a fire, and we know that fire is destructive. Fire destroys, and it says it is a world of iniquity, and that the tongue among, among our members can cause a fire that can cause all kinds of destruction. And he gives some examples in verses 7 and 8. He says, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Wow, that's some strong words about our tongue. But that's the capability that our tongue has, the destructive power that our tongue has. And you can believe me that Satan is just ro roaming about, seeking and trying to find that weak link with someone that will use their tongue to cause confusion, to cause strife, to cause envy, to cause those things amongst the body of, a belie of believers. And believe, believe you me, he is stalking and trying to find that weak link. And that's where we need to surrender ourselves over to our Lord and let him tame our tongue, let him tame our spirit. We need to consecrate our hearts before him, cleanse our hearts before him, pour out everything in prayer to him, and let him cleanse our hearts. Let him cleanse our tongues so that we can use our tongues as, as an instrument to edify one another, an instrument to uplift one another, an instrument to love one another rather than an instrument of destruction. But see, the only one that can, that can tame your tongue is you. The only one that can tame my tongue is me. But do I have the power within myself to tame it? No, that's where I have to surrender over to the Lord and say, Lord, please use my tongue as an, an instrument to edify, to love, and to uplift people and to draw people to you. But then I think of this word full of deadly poison. <clears throat> I immediately think of a snake. I immediately think of a snake. Now, I'm, I'm terrified of snakes. I really am. But if we stop and think about that our tongue is full of deadly poison, and it can be as deadly spiritually as a rattlesnake biting us, that if we really think about it in those terms, that really puts it in perspective. And he says, <clears throat> In verse 9, he says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. So what James is saying is, is we come into church and we bless God with our tongue, but yet man who is made, created in the image of God, we curse him. Now, that's... Um, if you will, the, cock, the, the pot calling the kettle black here. So we, we, we tend to, man has a tendency to talk out of both sides of his mouth. And he says, <clears throat> in verse 10, he says, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. 
My brethren, these things ought not so to be. No, they shouldn't be, but we all have a tendency to do that. We really do. And then he gives a metaphor here about a fountain. He says, Doth a fountain send forth at the same time sweet water and bitter? So he's asking a question. He says, and I can see, uh, I can see James pointing or looking at a fountain. He's asking the question. He says, can this water fountain, can it both give bitter and sweet water? No, it can't. And then he goes on and he says, and he asks another question. He says, can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? No. Like, I've never seen an apple tree bear oranges. I've never seen a cherry tree bear apples. I, you know, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a farmer and I'm not familiar with, with, with trees and stuff, but I've never seen oak tree bear corn, you know, and, but see what we got to think about is, in nature, these things bear what they're supposed to bear. These plants, these trees in nature, they bear what they're supposed to bear. So why is it that a human has two different things, depending on the circumstance, come out of their mouth? It, 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 the root of it is that our heart is evil. The very intentions of our heart is evil. And that's where we need to surrender it over to God. The tendencies of our heart are evil. That's why we need to surrender it over to God and let him tame or cleanse our hearts and let him tame our tongue because we cannot do it ourselves. That is a work of the Holy Spirit that needs to be done in our life. And we need to surrender it over to God. But he says... <clears throat> Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So James, he gives some comparisons here that we're like, well, duh, you know, these things can't do that. But then he's he's comparing it to man. And he says, well, then why does man bless God? but yet curse man, man being made after the very image of God. So why do we talk out of both sides of our mouth? And we all have that tendency to do that. But it all goes back to we have to surrender ourselves to our Lord and Savior. Let him cleanse our hearts. And we need to have that desire to walk and talk with him every day. For that is the message. I hope it's been a help to you, and I will be back with you next week. This is Joel Martin.